Well, good evening. If you would, grab a seat. We'll get started here tonight. As Matthew said, we're baptizing 36 saints tonight at the end of the service, and it's just, it never gets old to me. It's just too good to be true, and yet we're going to see it happen tonight. So, um, baptism service tonight, a baptism sermon, but what I want to say to all of us tonight is that while I'm going to be preaching on baptism, this sermon is for everybody. It's not just for 36 people that are going to get baptized. So I want you to open your hearts. Uh, Those who are getting baptized, those who will be baptized one day, this will be for you, and those who have been baptized. Tonight I'm trusting for a recovery of our baptismal identity. And so what I'll do is I'll read out of Exodus chapter 14, a text, an iconic text, people of God coming up against the Red Sea. I'll read that text, we'll pray, and then we'll jump in. So hear the word of the Lord, open your hearts. Out of Exodus 14, verse 10, it says, as Pharaoh approached, so the backstory is he sent them out of Egypt, fine, God let my people go, 10 plagues. Pharaoh goes, fine, just get out of here. Well, Pharaoh sees the free labor leaving Egypt and changes his mind. He doesn't want the economy to crash. Let's go get our slave labor back. And so he chases them down. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them and they were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, they got chippy here, a little sarcastic. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? Why have you done to us, what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. We've made our peace with slavery. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And this is where most leaders crumble because of the voice of the people. But Moses spoke back to them. Shh. Be quiet. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? And the Lord says to Moses, shh. (laughs) So the people are crying. Moses goes, shh. Moses cries to God. He goes, shh. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Don't you just love the compassion of God right there? Move on. Move along. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them and I will gain glory. I will gain, I will gain glory, says God. Through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side, and light to the other side. Same dark night. The Egyptians are dark. The the Israelites are lit up with the glory of God. So neither went near the other all night long. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, do Exodus 14 all over again tonight. We believe that you're the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We believe that these texts are not just a glance back at history, but they're living and active. They're enlivened by your spirit. We believe that you're the God who is always doing this among us. And so we say, do Exodus 14 again tonight. We pray, Lord, that you would give us boldness to be your people. We pray that you would silence our fears. We pray that you would tell us to be quiet when we, when we cry out in our, in our weird anxieties tonight. Lord, would you just speak to us? Shh. Move on, I've got something for you. So Lord, do that among us tonight, we pray. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We pray tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Tonight we have a biblical story about water 
And some of my greatest memories revolve around water. Anyone else, like, you can remember going to the lake as a kid or, or uh, the, you know, splash pad in the summers or uh, fishing with a, a grandparent or something. A, a beautiful memory that revolves around water. So many of my great memories are on Grand Lake learning to ski with my dad in Oklahoma or being out on the Selway River in Idaho with my grandparents and all my cousins and aunties and uncles and Baptism uh, at Thoreau Middle School for me when I was six years old in Tulsa, Oklahoma with my dad and my children's pastor, John Tash, and another guy called Daryl Burdick. Those three men in this Olympic-sized pool at a middle school that we were renting. And they took me as a six-year-old into the waters. I said, I've decided to follow Jesus. Let's do it. And these three men, the most important man in my life, my dad, and then two other men that I loved and respected, and they baptized me in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'll never get over that moment. I'll never recover from that moment. My life was changed. It was a line of demarcation. And water does stuff. You've been on a hike and you found yourself parched and then you know, mom throws you the water bottle and you take a big drink in the 100 degree weather and you, <sighs> water does stuff. It, it enlivens us. It gives us hope. A hot summer pavement that you're running around the pool, right? And they're all telling you to stop running and you're like, my feet are disintegrating. You know, stop running. No, I'm gonna die, you know? Kids dive in the pool. Why? Because your feet are hot and you finally get in that water and it's like, I can, you know, and life is worth the living just because he lives, you know? I can face tomorrow. I stepped in the water again. Nomads, the Bedouins in the desert, in the hot desert, coming on a, an oasis, and the thing changes for them. And Native American, indigenous Americans, you hear the stories that many of them would break their greatest horses by taking them out into the river where the horses couldn't touch. And they would get them out just to a level where they couldn't touch. And this is how they would break their horses. They would run them around in the river and the horses would finally come into submission and learn their way. Why? Water helped teach them something. It it trained something. It humbled something in these horses. Water makes you silly. Kids splashing around. I remember throwing my pastor in the pool one, one time when I was like 10 years old. It was a bad mistake. Bad mistake. But it was a great moment, you know. Water makes things grow. Can we, just, can we just say thank God for our first responders who brought water right over here today and put out a fire? Thank God. Water changes stuff. This apocalyptic wind out here and fire sweeping up at the Ent play, you know, new Ent headquarters. And these bold women and men showed up and they just made it. Water changes things. And as you read the Bible, you can't escape water. It's like... Turn to, turn to one page in the Bible uh, besides like a page of the, the, you know, genealogies. Maybe you'll find water there too. But like on every other page besides the genealogy page, you're going to find water. Think about Genesis chapter one. Yahweh is hovering over by his spirit, hovering over the primordial waters, chaos, darkness, the abyss. God is brooding over the waters. Page one of the Bible, there's water everywhere. Yahweh, descend, uh, he sends the deluge in Noah's time. Water cleans out and water creates new possibilities and water carries them in the ark to, to this new place of establishment and freedom and they settle in. God cleanses and renews and redeems and restores with water. Baby Moses floating down the Nile River, he's saved in a basket. His mom is bold and she creates this wicker basket. And all the other Hebrew boys are getting crushed and she floats him down the Nile. She just trusts that God is going to save him through these waters. And sure enough, baby Moses floats on down to Pharaoh's daughter and she collects him up and takes him into the palace. And Moses is raised up in Pharaoh, on Pharaoh's dime to save the people of Israel. God saves through water. It's on every page of the Bible, crossing the Red Sea, which we just read tonight, separates us from our oppressors and leads us forward into the way of newness of life. And they get to the wilderness and water starts coming out of a rock. 40 years. These, this group of people, gargantuan group of people, there's no established cities. They lack all their resources, but somehow, some way, God causes a, a way to be made when there is no way and water comes out of the rock crossing the Jordan River after 40 years into the promised land. God splits the sea or the river as they step in and Naaman the leper dips seven times. He gets healed. 
Jesus walks on water. Jesus says, peace, be still. And the water shuts down. It gets quiet. And they say, who is this that even the wind and the water obeys him? Jesus says to the woman at the well, whoever drinks this water will be thirsty again. Indeed, the water that I will give, whoever drinks of that will never go thirsty again. Like, friends, I just need you to see that on every page of the scripture, in every moment in salvation history, water, water stands out in the story. Jesus says rivers of living water will flow out of your bellies. And by this, he was speaking of the Holy Spirit internal irrigation system that keeps you going through the dry patches of life. And then Revelation 22, the very last chapter of the Bible, you see the river of life that's flowing through the city of God and it's the trees on each side with, with leaves that are always in bloom that give healing to the nations. Friends, can we see from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, water does stuff. And here we are on baptism night. We've got a, a tank full of water right here, nice warm water for those of you who are getting in and are scared. We took care of you. <laughs> baptism requires water, and Jesus shows up and asks his cousin John the Baptist to baptize him. And John freaks out. What are you saying, Jesus? What are you doing? You're the one. Are you crazy? I'm not even worthy to untie your sandals. You're the one that should be baptizing me. And John sort of operates in this false humility. Jesus goes, no, I just said to do it. Obey me. <laughs> and so John gets in line. And what's happening in that moment where Jesus is baptized? Chance the Rapper said the world should have ca capsized when God got baptized. You know, I like that. Like, What? God got baptized and, and he, like everything should have got turned upside down and in a, in a good and holy way it did. Jesus walks into the water of baptism and in that moment Jesus took all of humanity because he is perfect God and perfect man. He took all of humanity into the waters to wash the human sin story downriver. Jesus came to drown our, our despair. He came to drown our, our chaos. He came to drown all of the stuff that had been haunting us. Jesus takes us, all of humanity, down into the Jordan River, and he's baptized, and he comes up, and the story changes in that moment. Through the waters of baptism, Jesus cleanses the human condition. Jesus says to us, as he's living his ministry, his three years running around preaching the good news of the gospel of the kingdom, essentially he says, get in the water, <laughs> You, all right, I've been baptized, now all of you follow suit. Those of you who believe me, get in the water and be baptized. In Mark 16, Jesus says, the one who believes and is baptized will be saved, but the one who does not believe will be condemned. The one who believes and is baptized will be saved, but the one who does not believe will be condemned. And very often at this moment, I hear the protestation. I thought Ephesians 2 said we're saved by grace through faith and not of works, lest anyone should boast. So are you saying that water is salvific? Like, like you can just sort of, it's like voodoo. You just step into the water and everything's fixed. No, I, I'm not saying that. And Jesus is not saying that. It's not the water. It's the faith and the obedience of the believer. I'll say it this way. We don't trust the water. We trust Jesus who's calling us into the water. We believe that Jesus knows what he's doing. And so Jesus, this is confounding. This doesn't make sense. This is just a little bit weird to be swimming in church. And I don't know why you're making me go under. Someone could drown me. And he's like, exactly. Just like, trust me, go into the water. So it's not the water that's salvific. It's, it's obedience in Jesus. We trust Jesus. So I wanna say three things tonight about baptism. Three simple statements about baptism. And then I'll call up the baptismal candidates, and we'll witness miracles and we'll celebrate and we'll worship and we'll all cry and it'll be beautiful. Statement number one, baptism gets us in on God's salvation. God is saving and healing and nourishing and refreshing and we see this in Exodus chapter 14 with this story that we've read. It says, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. See what God is doing, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see them again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. See the salvation of the Lord. Fear not, stand firm, watch. Baptism is obedient submission. You, you, you give yourself over. Baptism is, is anti-work. 
Baptism is a laying back, a relaxing into the mercy and the salvation and the sovereignty and the beauty of our God who is the Savior. Baptism is the the giving yourself over to God's saving work. The text tells us how his salvation happened. It said in, in verse 19, the angel of God that had been leading the camp of Israel now shifted and got behind them. And the pillar of cloud that had been in front also shifted to the rear of the group of people and the cloud was now between. between, Everyone say between. The cloud was now between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel and the cloud enshrouded one camp in darkness and flooded the other with light. Two camps didn't come near each other at all that night. The psalmist said in Psalm 139, that famous passage, he says, you hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. But I want you to see tonight, saints who are getting baptized and saints who have been baptized, who are recovering their baptismal identity tonight, and saints who are considering being baptized in the future, what I want you to see is that as you get into the water, God now stands between you and your past. He's been leading you forward to this point, but now in this moment where you step into the waters, he shifts behind you and he, 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 he puts darkness on the darkness of your past and he shines light on your future. I, I remember a guy who got baptized. I, I, doing this now for 17 years at New Life and as a pastor's kid, I've been around the baptismal waters my whole life and I've seen some real jackals get in the water of baptism. Some scoundrels and some people with a story and a, I've told you about the guy who, when I baptized, baptized, baptized him, him, when I baptized him, he said, hey, when I go down, I want you to hold me under the water until I pinch your arm. He's like, I'm not doing that, bro. He's like, you're doing that, bro. And I held him under, it must have been 90 seconds. Bubbles are coming up. I thought I'm killing him right in front of his kids, you know. And he came up and he said, I had a lot of stuff that had to get washed away tonight. But I've had people tell me, it, like, it, it, it's crazy. I, I don't know how to put it in a spreadsheet. I don't know how to, it all adds up in the economy of the kingdom, but somehow it does. One guy told me, and I've heard this story over and over again, but one guy told me explicitly, he said, I look back at, at that baptism moment as the line of demarcation, that something shifted and God separated me from my past and he pointed me toward my future. Darkness on the past, light for the future. This is what's happening as you step into the waters of baptism. Baptism gets us in on God's salvation. Point number one, can you say amen? Amen. Point number two, baptism gets us in on our identity. Our identity. It's a strange act, uh, but what's happening here in this moment? The things, I'll just say this as a parent, the things that parents do to communicate or show their love to their children very often seems strange to their children. For me, my morning routine is driving the kids into school and I take Lillian to TCA North and I take the boys to Central and we have our routines and we have our prayers and I'm praying for, I'm laying hands on all three of them before they get out of my car and I hug it out with Lil. Peace, I love you, go in God's grace and then I race down to Central and I get out of the car with the boys because I don't have a group of people behind me I can actually park and I get out and I park and my boys know they come around to my side of the truck And I stand there and I go like this and they're so embarrassed because I'm in their school parking lot with arms wide open, just going to get over here. And Wilson, he likes to hug you sideways. He puts his shoulder in your sternum and I said, square up with me, baby, square up. Every morning we do this, square up with me. And he's like, dad. So he shifts his shoulder and he squares up with his sternum to my sternum and I hug him and I kiss him on the face and I make eye eye contact. I'm saying it to both of them. I love you, Wilson. I'm so proud of you. Go be a leader. Ask the best question in your class today. Serve your people. Let your teacher go home and be so glad that they have a growthy in their room. Like, go get him, all right, man? And square up with me. We have that routine. And then he runs on and rolls his eyes. And then Wakely... Same, I mean, Wakely's a little gushier, you know, he's, he loves the hug and he'll, he's not in a hurry and he's got those kind of, uh, those <laughs> butterfly eyes, you know, just like, he's just, so we, we lock it in and we have the same conversation, I love you, I'm proud of you, and all that, like, kids don't often understand the acts that their parents participate in to communicate their love, but as my kids get older, they will understand. Right now it's a little strange, like baptism's a little strange, 
But in the act of baptism, we're getting a new identity. We're getting renamed. We're, our lives are getting pointed in the right direction. Jesus was baptized. And what happened at Jesus' baptism? This is so instructive. It didn't just happen to the Son of God, though of course it did. But it happens to the daughters and the sons of God in the act of baptism too. I want you to see in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, the moment Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters, the skies opened up and he saw God's spirit. Jesus the Son sees the spirit coming down like a dove out of heaven. It descended and landed on him and along with the spirit, a voice. Do you see the Trinity at work here? The Father, the Son is in the water and the spirit is coming down like a dove, alighting on him. And the Son looks up into the sky after the spirit has landed on his shoulder and he hears this voice. This is my son. This is my boy. Chosen and marked by my love. Delight of my life. So many of us didn't hear that. Many of you heard the exact opposite. Many of you were wounded by the, the words of the most important people in your life. They were supposed to repeat the father and say, this is my daughter whom I love. The, the delight of my life marked and set out for a purpose. I love you, daughter. I love you, son. The people who were the most important people in your life, many of them didn't give you those words that the father gave them to give to you. But in the act of baptism, you get them from the one who is the true voice, from the one who is the true father, from the one who will never forsake you, from the one who will never disappoint you, from the one who will only and always and ever wish your good. The father in the act of baptism speaks to his son and he speaks to his daughters and to his sons by his spirit. This is my daughter whom I love. This is my son whom I love. And we tonight in the act of baptism will see people get re-identified. We live in a world where we carry so many tags and so many badges and so many positive and negative tags and we identify ourselves by how much we make and what tax bracket. We identify ourselves by how we vote and we identify ourselves by our skin color and we identify ourselves by where we live in town. Is it the right side of the tracks? Is it the wrong side of the tracks? Is it the north? Is it the south? Is it the east? Is it the west? We identify ourselves by what schools we've gone to or by what schools we haven't gone to. We identify ourselves, we create all of these badges and tags and we we, we misidentify ourselves, but in the waters of baptism, all of that mess gets washed away. And you come up and you hear the one thing that is the important thing to know and to carry and to embody in your soul and to lead your life forward. This is my daughter. This is my son. I've marked you. I've chosen you. You are the delight of my life. I will only and always and ever be for you. I love you. You're my child. That's what's happening tonight. And those of you who have been baptized, tonight is a recovery of that marking, of that identity. For those of you who will be baptized, you're already living under the Father's delight. And, and at some point along the way, you're gonna have that moment where the Spirit descends and you feel that just as Jesus did. But saints, we're getting re-identified tonight. What I'm saying is baptism drowns away every lesser tag so that you can come up a daughter or a son. The third thing that I wanna say is that baptism gets us in on the story of the future. Can I call up right now, I haven't done this before, but I wanna call up the 36 baptism candidates on the stage right now before my third point because I wanna talk to you in this point. So would you give it up for those who are getting baptized tonight? We'll leave this here. They're still coming. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Hi there. Bless you guys. What's, what's up, big dog? Hey, guys. Hey there. Guys. What's up, dude? Hey, Max. Love you guys. Hi. Hello. Jade, what's up? What's up, Rye? Hey there. How are you? Point number three. If you want to look at the screen, you can, or if you want to look down here, you can. But point number three, this is for everyone, but I'm going to turn my attention here, okay? We got it? 
Point number three, baptism gets us in on the story of the future. Revelation 20, verse 13, this is the end of the book, right? At the end of time, scripture says it is written that the Lord of life will command the sea and it will obey him. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. I want to say to you tonight that what has been lost will be recovered. In this moment, what has been lost will be recovered. Revelation 21, the next chapter. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. So many people have asked me about this through the years. What in the world? Like the God who loves water, in the end there's no longer any sea? What? That seems out of character. What's going on here? I want you to look at this map here. This, this will be up on this screen here. This is the Mediterranean Sea. And I've shown this once before. Do you see the boot there that is Italy? Everyone see the nice high heel? That's why it's fashion week in Italy because they got heels You see the heel there? Okay. That was the greatest superpower known to mankind in in the time when John was writing this on one of those islands out there that they had sent him away to for exile. He says in the end, the vision he saw of heaven, there was no longer any sea. The Roman army had the greatest navy on the face of the earth. And if you were a Jew over here, look down at the bottom right where it says Israel, that all that water, the Romans would come over from Italy by their fleet of ships and land right on the shores of Israel and they were coming to destroy the people of God. They were coming to capture them, make them slaves. They were coming to tax them up to 90% at different times in their history. When the Romans came from Italy and destroyed the Israelites, it was terrible news. And so John says in the moment where he envisions what the future is going to look like, there was no longer any sea, which is to say all of the chaos and all of the confusion and all of the fear and all of the torment that the enemy used to have over the people of God, it has been removed. It is no longer, there was no longer any sea. No more destruction, no more domination. So I'll say what has been lost will be recovered. And the final thing I want you to hear tonight is what has taunted you will be dealt with. Can you say amen tonight, church? What has taunted you, like the Romans coming over and taunting the Israelites and and regularly they would come over and destroy them. What has taunted you will be dealt with. The things that you've struggled with in the past, God tonight as you go into the waters of baptism is giving you freedom. He's giving you joy. He's giving you hope for the future. As you go down, all of that fear is being washed away and newness is coming. God is saying as you step into the waters of baptism and you come up, what has taunted you in the past will be dealt with. Just like the Israelites, the, the, the cloud went behind them and separated them from their past and protected their future. So I'm here to tell you tonight that baptism gets us in on the story of the future. There was no longer any sea. Baptism prefigures and anticipates that final great day of God's salvation. And so what I want to do tonight, there's two groups of people that I want to talk to first those of you who have already been baptized. Tonight is a night to get this back. Tonight is a night to be refilled, to be renewed, to be baptized again into the life of the Spirit. Some of you remember childlike joy. Some of you remember what it felt like to be separated from your past, but the years go by and life gets busy and we get cluttered and all this stuff and it heaps back up. Tonight's a night for many of you to be refreshed in the waters of baptism by the Spirit, by faith. Can you say amen? If that's you and you're carrying burdens that Jesus has already dealt with, tonight would you let him deal with them again and set you free in a fresh new way? That's the first group of people. The second group I wanna talk to are you, the people getting baptized. And I wanna say to you tonight how proud of you we all are. Because it takes a lot of faith takes a lot of courage. You in your class before the service, you all stood up and told a bit of your testimony and you told us what you're hoping for and what you're excited about, what God has done in your life to bring you to this point. That takes courage. And tonight to stand up in front of this congregation that loves you so much, I wanna say well done, good and faithful. We are for you and Jesus is for you and it's gonna be this bright new future ahead that's marked by the Spirit as you go down in the waters of baptism 
God is doing all of this work in you tonight for newness. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna step down here and I'm gonna ask you four questions. I'm gonna go into the congregation and maybe you guys can shift forward here just a little bit, step on up, act like you own the place. So these are questions that have been being asked of baptismal candidates since at least 150 AD and probably closer to 50 AD. But we have documents that show that these questions were being asked at least by 150 AD. So what I want you to hear tonight, church, as you're getting baptized, you're not getting baptized into your own story. You're getting baptized into the life of the people of God getting baptized into the faith that has stood the test of time. You're getting baptized into a global body of Christ, every tribe, tongue, nation, and people group. And you're getting baptized with saints that are in heaven today who have said the same words and entered into the same kind of water. You're getting caught up into that story, and that's a beautiful thing. So the first question I wanna ask you tonight is about God the Father. Can you put these up on the screen? Maybe I didn't send those to you. I know, okay, good, perfect. I've got it memorized, but I didn't want to have to flex. (laughs) This ensures at least a bit of humility. Question number one. Saints, do you believe in God the Father, that he's the almighty God, and that he's the maker of heaven and earth? If you believe in God the Father, please say, I do. Can we celebrate that? Question number two, and this is the long one, so brace yourself, go with me. Do you believe in Christ Jesus, that he's the son of God, that he's eternally begotten of the Father, that Jesus is true God from true God, begotten, that he's not made, and that Jesus is of one being with the Father through whom all things were made? Do you believe that Jesus came down from heaven and was born of the Holy Spirit and of the Virgin Mary? And do you believe that God in Jesus was made man? Do you believe that he was crucified, and that he died, and that he rose again at the third day? Do you believe that he's the living one from among the dead? Do you believe that Good Friday happened and that Easter happened after it? Do you believe that he ascended unto heaven, that he sat down at the right hand of his father? And do you believe he, Jesus, will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and that his kingdom will have no end? Do you believe in this, Jesus? If so, please say, I do. Church. (laughs) Woo! Holy moment. Question number three. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? That God didn't just come and leave, but that God came and moved in to your very being. That he's the Lord, that the Holy Spirit is the giver of life who proceeds from the Father. Do you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? If so, please say, I do. do. Yes. Fourth and final question that Christians have been responding to for at least 1,850 years. Do you believe in these people? But not just these people, but do you believe in the global church? People in Asia right now worshiping Jesus. People in Africa right now worshiping Jesus. Every continent, Australia, South America, I'm going to miss one here, Europe. Do you believe, like all over the world, people love Jesus? Do you believe in the Holy Church? Do you believe in the forgiveness of sins? That when you go down tonight, God is for you. That when you fail next week, God is for you. When you fail 10 years from now, God is for you. He will forgive your sins. Do you believe in forgiveness of sins? Do you believe that in the end, resurrection is the story? That he's gonna raise up the dead to new life? And do you believe in the life of the world to come? If so, please say, I do. So now I've got anointing oil and I'm going to anoint all of you. We're gonna pray. So church, they have made public declaration of their faith to you. And so now it's your turn 
to speak life and blessing and prayer over them. So would you stretch out your hands and agree with us that all of these people will be claimed for the kingdom forever. Tonight, Lord, we anoint every man and every woman with oil in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. And we say, Lord, have your way. We say they are yours. Marked forever by the love of God. Marked forever and kept forever by the blood of Jesus. Marked for the future by the power of the Holy Spirit. Kept safe and secure by the power of the Holy Spirit. And tonight, Lord, I want you to just begin to speak words. Like, what would you want to say over your kids or grandkids or your, kid, or your friends? Blessing and peace and joy and strength. I want you to pray those things right now. Sit in a spectator sport, Lord. We speak life and blessing and peace and strength and favor over these people. Lord, we pray that you would protect them. We pray for long life for them. We pray for strength in their body and strength in their mind and strength in their spirits. We pray, Lord, that as we mark them with oil tonight, it's just a picture that they can never outrun your love. They can never get away from your goodness. They can never be out of your presence. You're the God who is always with them. And so, Lord, we say yes and amen. Can you agree, church? Yes and amen over their futures. That all of these people will carry the power of the Spirit into the world. And we pray, Lord, that they would be witnesses of the love of Jesus. We pray that every room they walk into would shift because these people have been marked by the power of the Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would cause your love to carry them through every season of their lives. Lord, we thank you that these ones are gonna be a part of your story going forward. So we pray, make them missionaries. Even in business, whatever they do, Lord, make them missionaries. Make them carriers of the story. We pray our blessing over them tonight. We pray that you would keep them from evil. Lead them not into temptation, Lord. Deliver them from evil. For yours is the kingdom and yours is the power and yours is the glory. We pray, raise them up. Raise them up, Lord. Raise them up. Make them strong for the world. Make them strong in the power of the Spirit. Make them full of faith. I pray, Lord, that they will not fall. When the enemy comes to attack them, you're the God who shifts behind and you break the enemy off. <laughs> keep them in your love. We pray, Lord, bless them and keep them and make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lord, lift your countenance upon them and all their people and would you grant them peace tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, would you give it up for these people who are about to get baptized? Stand with me, church. Okay, you can go down the side right there and get lined up. Church, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna worship. It's gonna be up on the screen. We've got a camera down here, so you're gonna see everyone get baptized. When they do, I want you to scream and shout and throw things. Uh, just like, it's a party, it's a celebration. God rejoices, the angels in heaven rejoice. You can come around the, the tank. We've got all of our students coming in to celebrate. So as we worship and as we witness these miracles, I want you to celebrate with us tonight 36 miracles. got a testimony and I'm gonna tell it. I'm not ashamed of where I've come from. Cause there is power in the gospel and I felt it from the moment that I heard that good news. Oh, it was good news. I've been set free and I know the truth. I've got a testimony and I'm gonna tell it. He found me. He held me, He loved me, He picked me up, He healed me, He restored me, He changed me from the inside out. He raised me and He gave me His Spirit and His name when He saved me. 
testimony and I'm gonna tell it. That's what Jesus did. We declare, we declare. 
I got a testimony and I'm gonna tell it. That's what Jesus I believe in the virgin 
friends, my friend Kirsty here has a word from the Lord. Uh, met her in South Africa on a mission trip. How many years? Was that 10 years ago? 10 years ago. And she ended up falling in love with a guy from the mill, our college group, and they got married. We go way back. And she hears from the Lord, and she's got this word, so I want you to hear this, and we'll sing in just a minute. But open your hearts to receive what the Lord's saying. Okay, I'm trying not to cry because I feel the Lord, but I feel like. So right here and right now, let's all close our eyes and let's open up our hands and let's open up our hearts. And some of you need to receive that love tonight. You need to dare to believe it. You need to risk tonight to go, you know what? Everything tells me the opposite, but I'm going to trust what God said through that woman. Receive his love tonight, saints. It's not too hard. You're not too far. It's not too late. It's not too difficult. He's for you. What good parent wouldn't take their kid back? And that's just humans. The perfect father in heaven is aching for you to come home tonight. So Lord, minister to your love. Minister your love to the depths of our souls tonight. I pray that you would soften every hardened heart, that you would heal every broken heart, that you would... Speak peace to every confused mind tonight. Let the love of God break through. Let the love of God shatter the work of the enemy. Let the love of God settle deep into our souls tonight. Church, can you say amen? Receive his love tonight. Let's go back into it. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise, it's your breath in our lives. So we pour out our praise to you
Before I pray the blessing over you, can we just celebrate what God has done in this room tonight? Lives changed, destinies set, people claimed for the kingdom of God. It's just too much. I, if we ever get tired of this, something has gone wrong. And so tonight we celebrate the goodness of God. Would you open your hands to receive the blessing? As you go from here, I pray, may the Lord our God bless you and may he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his bright smiling countenance upon you and all of your people and may he grant you peace tonight. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. Let's thank God one more time. Real quick, do me a favor because I have the microphone and because he's my family. Today is my nephew Landon James King's 11th birthday. Landon was just on the stage. So I think he just went out with his friends, but they're, they're, can you just give it up one time for Landon King, a man of God? Love that boy with all my heart. We've got a prayer team ready to pray with you. I want to invite the prayer team to come down. If you would like any prayer agreement about anything, come see us. Go from here tonight in God's grace and peace. So much love.